Nusachim, Perek Dalad, Mishnah Ches, 4.8. The Mishnah is going to list now six things that the people of Yericho, Jericho, did that the Chazal, the rabbis, did not agree with. Uh, the first of them has to do with work on Erev Pesach, and that's why it's featured here. But we'll discuss a number of things. Uh, what's important to realize here is we're going to say that they did six things, all of which the rabbis disagreed with. However, three of them, they gave them some formal censure. They they were michu miyadam. They protested formally their actions, and three of them they they didn't. They let they let those things slide. So the mission says shisha devarim asu anche yiricho. There were six things that the people of Jericho did. For three of them, the Chachamim formally censured them. They gave reproof. The other three, notwithstanding the fact that the rabbis disagreed with what they did, the rabbis did not formally reprove them. And these are those that the rabbis did not formally censure them. The first is On the day before Pesach, the 14th of Nisan, even after Chatzos, when labor is forbidden, the people of Jericho would graft date trees. Date trees there basically came in two varieties, one which bore fruit and one which didn't bear fruit. And what they would do is they would graft onto the stalk of a non-bearing fruit tree, a scion, like a branch, let's call it, of a fruit-bearing date palm, and that would make a plant that would give fruit. So they did that even after chatzos. Their concern was that this was like a dover of it, a thing that they would um, cause them a great loss otherwise, because it was obviously a time, particular timing issue with regards to the seasons and the setting up of these date palms, and dates were a central feature, a central part of their, their diet. So since they reasoned it was a dover of it, and we would be permitted to do even on Cholomoed, for sure it would be permitted to do even on the 14th in the afternoon. And while the rabbis didn't necessarily agree with that, well, they didn't agree with that um, rationale, they thought, thought the rationale was sufficiently, was sufficient to not demand that the Chacham make a formal censure of their activities. The second thing, and now we move away from Pesach to other topics, is the Chorchin, Koreach is like um, a sandwich, like Korach, the Korach of Pesach later, in other words, of um, a Kricha is like a wrap. So they would they would uh, combine Es Hashma, excuse me, Korach and Es Shema. They would um, like bundle up the Kriya Shema together. The point here is that um, after they said the first pass of Kriya Shema, either they, they two Peshat and the Barthenor brings, either they didn't say Bruch Shem Kavod, or they didn't um, wait sufficiently after the saying of Echad. So both things in turn, I'll explain briefly. When Moshe Rabbeinu in Veschanan writes the Shema, so the Pasuk of Shema and the second Pasuk of Ve'ahavta um, follow back to back. However, back in Bereshis, when Yaakov Avinu was um, nearing his death, he called his sons to sit around him, and he intended to reveal to them what would happen in the future and the the events of the end of time, when that would be. And at that point, the Shekhinah left him because it didn't want the revelation to come out about when Mashiach HaZed would come. Um, and Yaakovina was concerned that the Shekhinah leaving him was because there was some problem with one of his, or more than one of his children, um, in terms of their moon, etc. So 
when he was concerned about that, the children responded, meaning the Shifteka, the 12 children of Yaakov, told him in unison, Shema Yisrael. Yisrael was Yaakov in his name. Listen, Father Yisrael. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Achad. We are all um, agreeing in our minds to the fidelity to the same one God as you. And there's no reason to be concerned about us having some kind of psul, some kind of you know um, inadequacy in terms of Ramuna, etc. And in relief to that, Yaakovina responded by saying, Baruch Shem Kavod, Malchus which is, he blessed Hashem and and hope expresses hope that uh, Hashem's um, reign, expression of his reign would be manifest um, forever here in Olam Hazeh. So the Chazal in the Gemara here in Pesachim say that the rabbis were in a bit of a conundrum what to do. They didn't want to insert the Baruch Shem Kavod verse, if you will, um, after Shema before Vahavta, because that's not what Moshe Rabbeinu did. On the other hand, it is what Yaakov Vino did. So the resolution was to insert Baruch Shem Kavod, but only in a whisper. And of course, that's what we do, Bismanazeh. We whisper Baruch Shem Kavod. Um, but the people of Yericho didn't do that. They just skipped the Baruch Shem Kavod, and um, the rabbis didn't like it, but they didn't formally make a macha, a censure. The other pshat in the Bartonura is that after they said the word echad of Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekin Hashem Echad, so the proper thing to do is that one should be ma'arich, should um, protract the articulation of the dalit sound, and we actually can't do that anymore because the way Ashkenazim and Sephardim today pronounce the dalit like the letter D, there's no way really to, to extend it out. But the original pronunciation of the dalit without the dot in it um, has some like something like a th sound, and because of that, that would allow echad to be extended out, and that's the din nowadays. We um, we slightly protract the pronunciation of echad, but the point is we pause for a moment after saying echad to contemplate and accept upon ourselves the malchus, the the sovereignty of Hashem over the whole world and and over ourselves. That takes a moment, so we have to pause for a moment to accept that upon ourselves before going on to the next pasuk referring to the expression and the mitzvah to love Hashem. So that takes a moment, you have to pause and think about that and be mamlech Hashem. And the people of Yericho didn't do that. Of course, the second Peshat and the they just rushed through like a sandwich. They just kind of bundled it all together. Um, and that was not satisfactory as a minhog, but nevertheless... Um, the rabbis didn't make a formal censure of it. Um, and the the third thing that they did was v'kotzin v'gotzin lefnei omer. They would kotzer, which is to reap grain, v'gotzin, and they would stack the grain and pile up the grain into a gadish, into like a pile, a haystack, or, you know, a grain stack, lefnei omer, prior to the offering of the korban omer, which was done on the 16th of Nisan, meaning the first day of Cholomoed, um, of Pesach. So this is referring to the fact that there's a din that chadash, the new year's grain crop, is forbidden for consumption until after the omer is brought, or bismanazeh without a court number being brought. At least um, it's restricted as chadash until the 16th of Nisan. Now, midrabanan, the rabbi said, even in a place where they wouldn't be collecting the omer, because the truth is you're actually not allowed to even harvest grain prior to the bringing of the Omer, where that grain could have been used for the Omer. But even in a place where you're too far from Jerusalem, 
to even think about bringing that grain as the Omer. Still, Madurabun, they said, even if you're going to harvest it, you shouldn't stack, meaning pile the grain, until after the Omer is brought, lest you get distracted and come to eat the grain. So it's a Dinder not to pile the grain up before bringing the Omer. And the people of Yericho ignored that Dinder and they piled their grain up anyways. And that was objectionable to the rabbis, but they actually made no formal objection. In all three of those cases, therefore, Velomichu biadam, the rabbis didn't express a formal complaint or, or protest to the people of Yericho. On the other hand, Ve'elu shemichu biadam, the following three things that they did um, were sufficiently objectionable that the rabbis actually did make a formal macha of censure of what they did. The first is matirin gamzios shel hektesh. They permitted the growths of hektesh, of consecrated trees. The story here is that there were certain trees that were being chopped down by robbers, and the way they would um, preempt that from happening is by being makdashem to dedicate the tree to the base of mikdash. Yes, it's fabulously ironic that the thieves of yesteryear wouldn't steal the trees if they were the base of mikdash's trees, just their private people's trees. But that seems to be the case, as the Gemara describes it. So, once you're mocked or something, you give it to the base of Mikdash, and it's, it's hektish, it's base of Mikdash property. So getting benefit from such a thing is forbidden to misappropriate, sanctified, anything, actually, anything that's sanctified to the base of Mikdash is called me'ila. And um, if one doesn't act of me'ila, so he has to bring a, an asham me'ilos, a guilt offering for doing me'ila, as well as replace what he stole, and being mosef chomish add an extra 25% surcharge. That only applies, however, to things that actually were consecrated. If you consecrate a tree, and then after that, new apples grow on the tree, or new branches grow on the tree, so then, technically, if one were to eat the apple or the branch, so then he would not be committing an act of me'ila, because it wasn't the apple or the branch that was sanctified, but only the tree itself. So there are two pshatim exactly what they did, whether it's taking the branches or taking the apples, so to speak, the fruit from the tree. Either way, the point is that they reasoned that since it's not me'ila, would be permitted to take the growths from the tree. However, there's an iser durabanan of getting benefit even from the growths from such a tree, and therefore the rabbis didn't like what they did and actually formally protested protested that. Second of all, v'ochlin metachas hanesharim b'shabas. Um, literally, the words here mean and they ate from beneath, and then it doesn't say what they were eating or what they were beneath. Hanoshim that fell b'shabas on shabbos. So. The missing words here are that they ate beneath the fruit trees from the fruit that fell from those trees, and they ate that fruit on Shabbos. Okay, that's what the words literally mean. The case is we're talking about fruit that, okay, sorry, fruit that falls from a tree. So if a fruit fell from the tree from before Shabbos, so then the fruit is totally edible, there's no mukta issue, because when Shabbos came in already, it was edible as, fr- as fruit. That's fine. Um, when certainly... There it would be there is an issue of gathering fruit from beneath a tree, but this is not that's called the ma'amer. It's a malachal to itself on Shabbos. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about just simply sitting under an apple tree and picking up an apple off the ground and eating it. So, if it fell before Shabbos, so then it's not a problem. Everyone agrees you could eat that apple. If it fell after Shabbos came in, everyone agrees that apple is muktzah. The reason why is because when Shabbos came in, it wasn't ready for consumption. You can't pick apples from trees on Shabbos. Therefore, the apple was not ready for human consumption. And therefore, now that it becomes available on Shabbos, it's a new thing, which is which is, uh, which is is muktzah. It wasn't set aside for use on Shabbos before Shabbos came in. Fine. And the people of Yericho agreed to that also. The 
contentious point is what happens if you don't know whether the apple fell before Shabbos came in or after Shabbos came in? So then it's a suffolk, it's a doubtful apple. Maybe it's mukta, maybe it isn't. And the people of Riecho reasoned that since the halacha of mukta is only a rabbinic enactment, it's a dindarabanan, and the overriding rule that applies to dirabanans is suffolk dirabanan lahakel. One can be lenient in a doubtful case that involves, um, at worst, a violation of a rabbinic halacha. So they said, listen, these, these apples may have fallen on Shabbos, they may have fallen before Shabbos. Either way, we don't, we don't know, but that makes them maybe mukta, but it's a suffolk dirabanan, and therefore we should be able to lenient and eat from these apples. Um, the rabbis, however, disagreed with that. And they said, no, when it comes to mukta, so we don't have the rule of suffolk dirabanan lahakel. We have to go l'chumra, we have to when it comes to a suffolk of mukta. The reason why is one of two possibilities, either A, because um, they basically built the halacha of mukta based on a pasuk. It's, it's certainly a din dirabanan, but it's like um, they were so machet, it's a smach that's like based on a pasuk on some level, and that would be enough to make it be to make it be uh, like they wanted to follow the the, the pattern of a Doraisa, meaning a suffolk mukta, which will be asr. The second approach is that if it's a davashesh lo matiran, which means um, if it's the kind of thing which if you wait around, there's a way that you can eat it in a permitted way, which certainly is the case when it comes to suffolk mukta um, of an apple, because when Shabbos is over, the mukta is no longer an issue, and therefore the apple's edible. So in such a scenario of davar shesh lo matiran, they were machmer, strict, and said, so long as it's a suffolk mukta, you have to wait, and you can't eat it even on, on Shabbos. Whatever the lambdas is, the rabbis did not agree with the rationale of the the Anshe Yericho, the Jericho residents, and therefore they formally protested. And finally, v'nosnam peya liyarek, the people of Jericho would leave peya, that means the gift, the unharvested corner of the field, a gift to the poor of peya, even for vegetables. And the rationale was that, well, sorry, what's the what's the problem? You'd say, listen, leaving extra fruits for the vegetables, uh, excuse me, uh, vegetables to the poor people is, uh, is a mitzvah. It's great. So why would they have an objection to that? The answer is that when you leave something as peya, so it's an ex- it's exempt uh, from trumas amaisras, the various tithes that are given to the kohanim and levium. And if you call something peya, but really it isn't legally peya, so then really, while you might be doing it as a gift to the poor, when you give a gift to the poor, that gift is subjected to the hafrashas, the taking of Trumas and Maestras, and the poor of Jericho were misled into thinking that the vegetables that they're collecting as so-called le- uh, so-called peya um, were actually not peya. They were just gifts, and therefore they, the poor people were not taking the proper Trumas and Maestras as they should be, and eating food that has enough Truma taken from it is very not kosher. The penalty is misabideshamayim, premature death. It's worse than eating bacon, so that's bad news. And therefore, the rabbis um, did not, they objected strongly to this practice. What were the people of Jericho thinking? So, there are five conditions for uh, produce to be eligible for or required to be left, have pay left from it, uh, which include that it's edible, as, it's cultivated as food, it's protected as opposed to being left as um, hefker ownerless, um, it draws nourishment from the ground as opposed to, let's say, a, uh, like a, a mushroom, which isn't a plant. Um, it eats up that decaying material. That it, um, it, it's all harvested at the same time, one single harvest, as opposed to, say, like figs, which ripen on the tree um, 
over the course of the whole summer. And finally, that when you collect it, it can be kept, safe kept um, in storage for a while. It can store and last. And when it comes to certain vegetables, that's like a beet. So the people eat the beet root. That's like the bulb at the bottom. We call beets in English. Typically, Americans call it that. It's about the beet roots, like they call it in other places. And also, they eat the beet leaves. Now, the beet leaves certainly um, are not, they're not machnis and lakium. They would, you know, wilt and become dried out and horrible very quickly. Nevertheless, since the beet leaves are attached to the beet root, the people of Jericho thought you could leave peya and must leave peya on the beets, even the leaves. Um, and they were wrong, said the Chachamim, but they did it anyways, and they caused this problem of the of the poor people, and therefore the rabbis did umichu biyadam chachamim, the rabbis did um, lodge a formal complaint against the people of Yericho for that, as well as the other two practices.